0: Why does this always happen?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to House of Bards. We've been away for a bit, but we are back now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm Bethany, and I'm Alex so we we have been away for a bit um due to things like traveling and a bit of sickness here and there but we are we are back now and hopefully back on track um so we are sorry for the slightly extended hiatus um, we are a podcast about role-playing shows and the slightly shows Shows we're not role-playing games <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I feel that would probably be more relevant. Yeah,
1: my yeah, uh anyway. <laughs> role-playing games and we are the more shared narrative telling stories together that kind of a thing. Mhm. And today's topic is non-playable characters and the interaction you have with them and the weirdness that can arrive arise from them. Like, I know I don't
0: it's, it's like kind of specifically non-player character yeah, rather yeah. than non-playable character because it's like in a tabletop role-playing game somebody is always playing oh a yeah that's, character. yeah that's
1: true the, the but... npc is more of a designation to their i guess role really because they, they kind of you know they're quest givers and they're merchants and they're interactable characters but they're not They're not who the players are controlling, they're who the DMs are controlling or the GMs, whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, the two of us have both run games with, you might say, memorable non player characters (laughs) in them. Mm hmm. Which is not like to say that all of those characters are just like characters who had a gimmick that stood out or something like that. that Some of them were intended to be, you know, focal points of narrative who could stand out
1: as characters Um, generally my way of doing NPCs is I, I throw a lot at people at once I kind of, I think very quickly I've I've introduced at least five or six like big characters who are going to recur consistently and I think the next session as well is going to introduce quite a big one as well, so it's it's that kind of a thing, I like to throw a lot at once but you seem to, you do it a bit more gently, you have Maybe one per big quest. I like to
0: introduce a lot of characters who are in some way relatable. Mm. But in terms of characters that the players like might remember for, you know, a long time mm. it's generally only one or two per yeah. adventure. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's it's significantly smaller than the large number of, of characters that, that you introduced. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I suppose for you it kind of makes sense because you seem to have this like larger overarching plot. Whereas yeah. I do have a larger overarching plot with associated characters, mm. but a lot of it is like very small localized things.
1: Yeah. And you know which all
0: have their relevant yeah. characters.
1: You know, mine kind of it takes place in one particular part of the world as well, it takes place in one city you are going to bump into the same people over and over again, and they are going to be important and affect the world in a meaningful way, because it's their city that they live in. Um, and if they're an important figure in it, odds are, you're going to meet up with them, often.
0: Mm. Whereas, I have you guys travelling all over, yeah well, actually a very small part of the world, oh, yeah. but still, like, you know, a large amount of the southeastern corner of the continent mm. to a variety of different biomes. Yeah. So, what makes a good, memorable NPC?
1: I mean, the obvious answer that came to me is a daft voice. Um. <laughs> um, not necessarily, not... but you know. It... Well,
0: not necessarily, but it's it's if that's something that you can do as a DM,
1: mm.
0: uh, just giving an NPC who is supposed to be memorable some kind of memorable trait is gonna make it easier for you know your players to remember them. Yeah that's kind of what the word memorable means. Yeah. So if you give them a daft voice or an accent, yeah, then it's it's easier for them to pick up on cues as to oh, this is a character we've seen before. Yeah. Although I kind of do like daft voices for quite a lot of characters <laughs> because I like associate yeah. various um accents with various species and cultural contexts within the world. Mm-hmm. For instance, um I never quite figured out like um, the orcish class system and how that would affect the way that they talk, but um, most orcs talk like this. Yeah, you know, um, which makes sense in Meslin, because yeah. you know they they are supposed to be this uh, this very 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 working class and kind of downtrodden uh, mm. people. There works less well in Varash where they are the, like the ruling class. Yeah, and basically the mafia in
1: most cases. <laughs> Have you never not thought about, like, maybe putting on, like, a, like, 30s gangster voice?
0: No, because I feel like, aside from the comparisons to the Mafia, it doesn't really work. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. No, I but guess the, not, yeah.
0: There's also, like, um, Dragonborn, which Beth's party have not met in grand numbers yet, but which the other party have, a Dragonborn all talk like this. Yeah. Um, so that they, in fact, walk through an entire entire village full of dragonborn all talking like this (laughs) talked extensively with shaman Mm. and honestly probably the worst one is is the varash accent because (laughs) basically the only thing that i know about scandinavia is that a number of scandinavian languages have trouble distinguishing between voiced and unvoiced s sounds Mm -hmm. so just end all sentences like this it's it's not good no, but I, yeah. it's it's a vocal tick enough that you can like actually distinguish oh this person is from this place, which is a good um like shorthand for okay, this is what this person's background is, yeah, and generally if there's only like one relevant character from each culture it works quite well,
1: yeah, I think my problem is i do I do get embarrassed sometimes doing voices and it's something that I do like. It's someone I struggle with and I think sometimes I think especially for um uh Darius's patron, the, the warlock character, has a, a snake lady who's supposed to have this sort of Louisiana accent but also be a snake. That's a really difficult voice to do. And I mm. can't really do it. <laughs> and it is something that I struggle with. I do get very embarrassed in small groups. On my own, I'm doing daft voices all the time, but it is something I struggle with. In you know, I think it's something that, you know, yeah. I think it's something that everyone, you know, stage fright, isn't it, really?
0: Mm. I mean, it's not like all of these terrible voices like oh, came yeah. naturally to me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Something I decided pretty early on is the King of Rash, if you ever meet him, is basically Sir Christopher Lee. <laughs> so for quite a while, I was practicing, all right, this is my Sir Christopher Lee impression. Yeah. It's still not that good. I'm not ready. Yeah. But it doesn't look like you folks are going to meet the King of Arash anytime soon. No,
1: no. Um, I, as it can get really confusing. I think, because as well, I can't do voices. It gets really confusing when I have two NPCs talking back and forth, which is something that happens a lot in my game. I think, especially in the last session with Um, Rindle and Finian, who were talking quite, an- you know, back and forth quite a bit, I'm sort of always thinking I should probably give one of these men some sort of weird affectation, and I'd, I, comp- I I, know that I, like Finian's voice came off sounding really weird. Apparently, I don't know if that was.
0: I don't remember, to be <laughs> honest.
1: Whatever. That's what you know. It's... But
0: that's that's another good point. Is if you're going to be the DM getting two NPCs to talk to each other, and they had better be saying something important because this does not go down as well as you'd think it would. No, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not actually incredibly interesting to watch the DM essentially talking to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so what they're saying, it has to be really important, and it has to be really important that it's acted out them saying it. Yeah. Uh, so generally, like the only reason I would do a conversation like that is if the player's... You know, in Mass Effect, where there were like the Paragon and Renegade interrupts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If if the players can like step in and stop the conversation at a given point to affect a particular like you know um, idea, then maybe you would want to do that. Yeah. And in that case, it does help if you make the two characters have different character voices. Yeah. I don't necessarily mean that they should have different accents, although that definitely does help because yeah. it distinguishes the characters. But they should have different character voices. Yeah. As in they should talk differently. Yeah. Which is something that is important to learn in all writing. Oh yeah. Um I know that when I started out writing and probably still actually I have a problem with the fact that all of my characters had essentially the same character voice coming from characters with different backgrounds. So like the whole changes in context of the characters were basically driving them being different people. Yeah. And it's hard, especially when I write realistic people. Yeah. It's it's very difficult for me to just take something socially that doesn't make sense to me and be like, this character would let that go. Yeah, Or this character would not see the distinction between these two particular things, which is kind of tangential to what they're talking yeah. about, as important. Or stuff like that.
1: Mm. I mean, that that's what writing fanfics for, isn't it, really? Is to, you know, because you become acquainted with certain characters and their voices, and then you can practice... Characters who have a different way of talking, talking to each other back and forth. Uh like for example, if you're writing Harry Potter fanfiction, Draco Malfoy doesn't say this doesn't say a sentence the same way that Ron might say a sentence and Harry for that matter as well. Like Ron doesn't tend to call Arthur father, he calls him dad, doesn't he? Whereas Draco is always gonna go father. My father will hear about this, that kind of shit.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, something that came up in a recent dumbing of age if any of you read that dina doesn't use contractions and sarah pointed that out like dina is always saying uh i will not Mm. instead of i won't and stuff like that up until the point where she's made to feel self-conscious about it yeah it's just character voice you know it's important and it's actually kind of difficult to explain
1: yeah (laughs) it is is. it's not a it's not an easy thing to explain but hopefully you understand what we're trying to get across is that some characters as right you meet people who have very um complex vocabularies and will say something that perhaps someone else might say a bit more simply very complicated with lots of big words and that's one way of Hmm. You know.
0: But and also those people will have different reasons for doing that. Uh, yeah, and that yeah. will inform you, know, like some people will use big words because they think that saying big words makes them sound smarter. yeah Some people will say big words because they're very, very nitpicky about precision and the simpler word means something very, very slightly different. Mm, yeah. Like, you know, and people could also transition between those two states over the course of character development.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um yeah, but, you know, that's just character vo- You know, voices in particular is something that it's important to kind of think this is how this character talks versus how perhaps this it character It is talks. really, really
0: important to mm. think about. And unfortunately for characters who you, like, make up very, very quickly and want players to remember but, like, haven't done a huge amount of, you know, massive backstory for to determine what their character voice should be, mm-hmm. it can be difficult. So I would advise you to decide all the affectations of the character that will come out immediately on the spot and then, like, draw the target around those in terms of, like, writing backstory for that character if you need to, Mm. you know, Mm. rather than doing it the possibly, you know, more intuitive other way around.
1: Yeah, there are certain traits that you can very quickly ascribe to characters to kind of figure out how they may talk. Like, um, are they... Very well, you know, are they incredibly well educated? Are they quite working class? Are they, um, very emotional? Are they straightforward and to the point? Are they quite stoic? These are all things that are going to affect the way they say things because people who are quiet and stoic are going to expend less energy talking and explaining things than perhaps someone who is a bit more, um, confident and mm. linguis- linguistically f- free and easy. Should we put Bear it that in way? mind
0: also that there's like no reason that this stuff doesn't apply to player characters as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm having a huge amount of fun with player character voice in Beth's game. Yeah. <laughs> because Azrael is like a very easy character to play in terms of what does he care about and how rude is he going to be about things he doesn't care about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that when I play Jay, I do this weird thing sometimes where I kind of go, dude, you're... um, I use a lot of um, outdated African-American vernacular for whatever reason. It's just sort of, you know, I... he, You know, like, Jay uses, you know, like, "your man, or, you know, what up, or hey. You know, it's a very kind of almost anachronistic way of talking to people so that it always sounds really out of place. But that's just what Jay feels like. I'm like, this is how this character would talk. And then as soon as Jay's getting down to business, really, like, we need to do this, we need to do that. But Jay's rarely like that. Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Asriel is like, does this pertain to my driving like ideal? Okay. If it doesn't, who do I think is being an asshole here? <laughs> and to what extent? Because, you know, it's got to go pretty far before I really give a shit. Yeah. But he's not—he's not laid back. He's incredibly like uptight and just rude to pretty much everybody because he's completely like culturally dislocated. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's no real like people that he he wants to like you know defend. Yeah. To to any great extent. I... He's not a pleasant character, but he's the kind of unpleasant character who has the potential to become a nicer person. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's yeah, that's why that's why we love him. Um. I think it's a. Uh, I was really surprised when Matt went from playing Silas to Darius. I was really surprised by like the difference in the voices that he does. Not that he ever puts on a particular like an accent or a silly voice or anything, but Silas is very airy, fairy. He's very um, you know. Oh, I'm gonna go over here now, and Darius is very um, like expressive, but you know what i mean
0: darius would become indignant about things that silas would not care about at all
1: yeah yeah Uh, so that's yeah we haven't we haven't unfortunately seen much of like because i i feel like the two of you you don't dominate a bit you're not taking away any time but the two of you just have a very like this is how this character behaves or i feel like jordan's character and becca's character they're completely out of their depth half of the time they're just like what is going on half of the time
0: i feel like becca's character is defined enough that she will find her oh yeah
1: oh yeah very soon absolutely um,
0: jordan's possibly i've jo- not yet figured out exactly
1: jordan's like... is an interesting one and i i definitely when the time comes and when jordan's character gets to show off a bit of his knowledge and expertise you will see quite how well crafted that character was so it's It's
0: possible that what Jordan's aiming for is pretty much the same role that Balasar had in my game, though, which is the basically straight man foil to everybody else. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which he was for a bit until he started like getting his own characterisation, and then suddenly you get okay, these are the annoying things that Balasar does.
1: Yeah. And
0: these are why he does them. Yeah. (laughs) And if we can wheel around again over a long period of time, you can do that with NPCs. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Now,
0: there's got to be a reason, I think, for a given NPC to stick around a lot in the yeah. focus.
1: Because you don't want... I mean, every Dungeon Master's Guide goes, look, DM player characters are fine, but you can't have them stick around too long and overshadow everyone else. DMPCs
0: are not really a good idea, no, I don't they're think. Not. Because, like, at the very least, what you're fucking up is... You're fighting yourself? <laughs> yeah. Weirdly? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's like, you can't take a, like, forefront position as a DMPC, because, of course, you as the DM know what's going on. Yeah. Really, I think DMPCs work a lot better in terms of PCs, like, like NPCs who would come along with the party for any given reason. Like, maybe mm-hmm. you added an escort mission to your game because yeah. you're fucking awful. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe like you have a guide for a particular thing. I've done a number of um, pretty classic scenarios actually, which um, involve an NPC guide at least for part of the uh, of the adventure. Mm. Um, just coming along, either an academic who's doing like archaeology and stuff, yeah. or just somebody who knows the local area.
1: Mm. You know, I I think really the the max really you should have is. Um, I don't mind support like support fire generally. I don't mind an archer character who's just sort of going to stand in the background and fire arrows because that's kind of an okay thing. That's not too bad, I think. Especially if you've got like big fights as well, you need NPC and you know PCs and stuff like that. But it you can kind of pair de- the situation changes slightly and yeah. So big battles are you know it's different and there's different ways of doing them.
0: Actually, one of my favorites is players arrive, unexpectedly rescue NPC or are in the process of unexpectedly rescuing NPC who can hold their own and joins in, combat wise that's generally the way that Arthani is encountered in most of the games I've run her in Um, there's one where where it's not but uh, okay, Arthani (sighs) Arthani Ineli Ila'a, ase Ethi ilar, whose name was generated by a tool and I found so hilarious I had to put into a game somewhere known as Arthani, is a uh, halfling thief associated with the Green Hawk, who are the Thieves' Guild in Meslin. And Arthani, I think, was my first attempt at a really memorable side character. And as such, she doesn't do a huge amount, compared to other, possibly less memorable um, characters in that particular adventure. But um, she's... A halfling. A mm. halfling thief. She's a very, very tall halfling thief for for a halfling. Yeah. Um, she has a silly voice. She talks in a Welsh accent. It has been a long time since I have voiced Arthani. I'm not <laughs> going to do the voice now. Um, she's met twice, generally. Well, three times, actually. Um, the first time I ran the adventure, she was met once in the kitchens of a temple. Then the second time in the... Uh, the house where the garden party is is set uh, she was actually like tied up in like webs in the basement because she had tried to get in and gotten herself entangled and so the party save her and that's you know she she owes them a solid and then later on when the party get um, framed sort of for something that they actually did uh, Arthani just you know basically like rescues them Yeah. and uh, takes them away to the, the secret hideout So, Arthani hangs around around a a little bit, and that was why I wanted to give her, like, some kind of distinct character voice. Um, She's indignant, she's pretty competent at what she does. I mean, I have notes here, actually, that um, for 2nd edition, uh, she was deliberately given an extremely high dexterity so that she wouldn't suffer any penalty from dual-wielding push daggers, because I wanted that to be, like, her thing. yeah. And also because it's not that hard to give a, a rogue, like, very high dexterity. Yeah. It's, it's not that outlandish. Um, so, yeah, she's got this pr- this pretty huge uh, bio. So I think that was my... F- th- there was also the attempt with Amaria in the very first scenario I wrote. Um, but Amaria, at least the first time I ran that scenario, was kind of an in-joke because she was an XPC from, like, a lo- another,
1: <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh,
0: another game. Um, so, in fact, actually, um, Amaria has, like, one prosthetic leg. Which is a reference to the fact that in the game in question, um, a giant golem fell on her oh, and God. touched her leg.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, like, the the first time I uh, you know, ran that, that scenario, obviously, I was, I was with the same group who had seen Amaria as a PC, so they got the joke. Yeah. Subsequently, she's just kind of a cool character who people can interact with if they like. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, um,
0: Then there's Sigrid, I guess,
1: Mm.
0: who is the leader of the rebellion in Varash. Sigrid did not get a huge amount of characterization until you guys came back. Yeah. Like, when you find Sigrid, it's like, okay, she is commanding, she is authoritative, but she's also in a very vulnerable position currently, and she needs to be um, rescued just because, you know... She's hated that much that they yeah. put her in this horrible torture device. Yeah,
1: I, th- there is a softness to Sigrid, and that's someone I really appreciate. She's very. There is a vulnerability to her, and I find that very. Uh, if I, don't, there's I don't know
0: anything I'd... vulnerable about Sigrid. It's that she's incredibly concerned about the amount of power she is having to yeah, in order yeah. to like actually fight the um, the establishment in Varash. Like she's definitely worried that she will be corrupted by that power, and yeah. she's. She actually spends quite a bit of her time like making plans to like basically plotting her own demise yeah. to just ensure that she won't like, you know, say, kill the king and then just immediately take the throne. Yeah. She's very, very anxious about the idea of like people in positions of power within revolutionary groups essentially assuming the power that they um supplant. Which I guess is part of me. In essence, even though I am not the leader of a revolutionary group, it's something I kind of think about a lot. Hmm. So that's another thing. When you are making significant player characters, if you're writing any kind of character. You can put bits of yourself in the character. If there's a particular thing that you're worrying about a lot, well, it doesn't have to be worrying about. But, you know, that can be a character flaw for you know somebody if, if you're worrying about that a lot. Like something that you think about a lot being a character trait for a character that you're writing, that's good. That is a good thing, because, you know, that's you you will know how to write that. You might not know how to write that character doing the right thing about that thing, but you will know how to write that character behaving the way that you would on that subject, and only that subject, and then you can, like, split yourself up amongst all the characters you're writing, which is good, because it's better, Hmm. because otherwise you're writing shit you haven't got a clue about. (laughs) Yeah. That's crap.
1: Uh, should should I talk a bit about um, Eleanor and uh, Slug? Please talk
0: about Eleanor. I love Eleanor. <laughs> okay. Asriel doesn't. Asriel hates no, Eleanor. No, yeah, that's but... true,
1: yeah. Eleanor Montreux, she... Uh, uh, initially, she was kind of invented as this sort of um, Josephine Montillier-esque kind of character. She was this person who they were largely going to kind of... The group was going to be in contact with and they were going to get um, jobs and missions. She slowly evolved... Largely because of the player's interference into kind of a manipulative chess master um, but like also a good guy um, you know like the the general setup was okay what would motivate you to come to this town from so far away and you know you add stuff like oh does she have information on this and I'm like yeah sure she's got that information on this yeah okay cool that's the that's the tiefling and the warlock sorted cool and then I went well, she's probably going to bribe Becca's character because, you know, there's some blackmail going on there. Suddenly this character becomes a bit darker. And then there was the thing that you suggested, which was basically...
0: You said anything. So anything. I assumed at this point yeah. that M, as I knew her, yeah. was a pretty, like, moldable character in terms of what she was willing to do yeah. in order to get us all Absolutely, to, yeah. like, you know, assemble.
1: Yeah, so,
0: Eleanor technically Eleanor did not disinter no. the no, bones yeah. of Azriel's dead sister. No,
1: technically not no.
0: But she made him believe that she had mm. and indeed somebody else did.
1: Yeah. Like like my, my logic from that was she, Eleanor would know the kind of she would <laughs> she would know that that is the amount of rage she would have to incite in Azriel and she went it's probably better if he has a clear target on me as opposed to some asshole who he's never heard of before this person who's contacting specifically come get your dead sister basically but yeah and she's kind of she's someone who you'll find out later but this isn't really a spoiler since it's implied she's someone who's made her fortune adventuring um and she's a lot less posh than she pretends to be um
0: well, I think we we kind of established that she's a lot less posh that, than she yeah she pretends to be, just yeah. because we know a little bit more about where she came from.
1: Yeah. So, you know, she's this kind of fancy lady who has a big house and a butler and uh, lots... You know, she's got lots of fingers and lots of pots. I think at this point it would safe to kind of describe her more as an information broker and um, someone who kind of is trying to save the world you know
0: imagine if you met liara but she was already the shadow broker
1: yeah (laughs) that you fucking hate her (laughs) you would you would yeah um so yeah she's this kind of haughty kind of rich lady who she's basically using her status as a noble to like make other people do her job for her like that's that's how the level of influence this woman has um so yeah but uh she's not she's not all bad she is very um she's (laughs) like it started off as a bit of a joke but i think very very quickly it became kind of a serious thing that she kind of wants to like like it's not like her main goal but it's a side goal that she kind of wants to like have an orgy with the party no it's it's not like like it is a weird thing It probably, it's not gonna happen, but like.
0: Why does this always happen? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember for the longest time my game had the meme about everybody gets in a bath together?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, but it it sort of started this. Like, she very offhandedly said about Thry the Teethling that, you know, you're my favourite, and then later on Jordan brought it up and it was like. I'm really concerned about why he's her favorite, why he's her favorite, and I'm like, it's, don't, don't worry about it, it's fine.
0: And then there was also her, like, drastically misinterpreting Az- like Azrael's open expressions of hatred.
1: <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's a, a very uh, Drake or Harry situation, isn't it, to an extent? It's like... No!
0: Like at the moment, it's honestly like, she's fucking Mayor Dewey and he's Pearl. <laughs> yeah!
1: exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Like
0: but like he ha- he hates her even more though because he doesn't like the idea that she is in control. Yeah. So he really hates that he's been given this quest where it's like it's something that he would do anyway, <laughs>
1: yeah. but
0: he's like I don't want to do this thing that I would do anyway in such a way that that implies to this woman that I am doing what she tells me to. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. She, she's very, um, taunting, and, like... I,
0: I made that joke about how, like, afterwards, if they had mobile phones, she'd get the the text from Life is Strange, the, you know, by the way, thanks, but we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it's, uh... She, she is the Max Caulfield to, um, Azriel's, uh, Victoria... <laughs> Which is the most ridiculous analogy ever, because I don't think she's anything like Max, but there you go. I don't um, really
0: think that Asriel's anything like Victoria, but it kind of works. It does kind of work. (laughs) Anyway, um, who else is there? When I introduced the Emperor of Elves, I wanted him to be this Well, that was the thing. I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted him to be because I wasn't sure whether I wanted to engender a particular emotion in the party towards the Empire in general. Mm. It's like, Emperor Titus is not a nice man. Mm. He's ostensibly better politically than his opponent, who is, you know, waging civil war against him, Mm -hmm. um, General Salvius. But it's like... (laughs) What do I want the emperor to be like? I don't want him to be too old because yeah. he's not. His empire is very new, yeah, and I don't want him to be too young either because you know the younger he's made, like the more I have to stress the whole he was installed by power-hungry generals thing, and it's like I kind of feel that at this point he would kind of broken out of that, and that's yeah. kind of why the civil war is happening. Yeah. Um. So essentially what you get is this guy who looks like who looks to be like maybe in his early thirties. But mm, obviously yeah. being an elf is, oh, is yeah, way, yeah. way older. Yeah. And is just generally like not openly unpleasant, but yeah. deeply unhelpful. Yeah. <laughs> that he's he's not gonna give you anything.
1: Yeah. Um No, I I, I get that, yeah. Um A very standoffish, very kind of keeping the party at arm's length, but not necessarily...
0: Well, not even that, it's just he's just acting chronically disinterested in yeah. anything that doesn't pertain directly to him that yeah. he is told by these people. He's yeah. like, they arrive, they're like, we have a message for you. He's like, cool, what is the message? Okay, that was the message, thank you, but do you want any kind of reward? And if you don't get one, are you going to come back and cause problems for me?
1: Because we can <laughs>
0: sort something out now, but I don't particularly want to see any of you ever again.
1: <laughs> is that weird that I think that's what Yellow Diamond from Steven Universe is going to be a bit like? <laughs>
0: I'm honestly really, really into meta that just has, like, Yellow Diamond be the ultimate disinterested, like, flip side to Pearl's PTA mum.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah, show sh- whatever. <laughs> I-
0: like, Yellow Diamond's the ultimate can I speak to the manager? Uh, yeah. Middle-aged woman.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway. Um, so, yeah, the-, the Emperor was a bit harder. Because... It's like, once you get into points where you're like, I'm not sure what I want this character to represent, then you have troubles, because everything has to be themed. This is fiction. It doesn't, like, small stuff you can probably get away with, I just want to make this character, and I don't really care how the players relate to them, because something will happen anyway. Yeah. But otherwise, it's like, you have to have a plan for what happens if the players don't relate to that character the way that you think they would, but you really should, like, try and plan out, you know, how do I want this character to be either representative or, like, deliberately non-representative of, you know, what's actually behind them? Yeah. And when the characters in question control entire nations, it becomes kind of difficult. Mm. Like, I didn't even work out character voice for the King of Varash until I figured out, like, exactly what his deal is. Yeah. Because he was, for a long time, like, you never saw the king, you never heard about the king, you knew the king existed, but the clans controlled everything. And it was like the king was essentially a puppet. mm but now we've got the war going on where like the clans are openly waging war on the king in a bid for the throne. So now the king has to be his own character where it's like, what does the king actually want? Why is he fighting all of these factions? Like, what will he do if he regains the throne, but the clans aren't there anymore? So pay attention to what's going on in your game as well and how that's going to affect like how ca- characters you maybe previously haven't established a lot will change.
1: Mm. I know that, uh, in Two Earth specifically, um, the king of the country that the characters are in has recently just died and he, he was ousted, really. He was. He was usurped, basically. He was like, we've had enough of this horrible war that's gone on long enough. Nobody wants it anymore. We're getting rid of you. And we're putting your son on the throne. So that's. You've got this fresh new king. But, uh, I. I'm always a bit puzzled on how to characterize him that isn't completely anach- like, you know, that isn't full of anachronisms because, like, otherwise you're just going to walk into the th- throne room and he's going to be like, kind of like leaning on the throne playing a Game Boy, and I don't think that really works. Um... <laughs> well, like, well, like, um... Like, uh... Like, a, uh, uh, what do they call them? Uh,
0: I don't know. I don't know what you're- I, know, I don't know what I'm talking
1: about, do I? Um... Beatbox? Yeah, beatbox, right? Playing, like, rap music loudly. and Boombox? Ca- Boombox, there we go. Yeah, playing, like, rap music. And you can't really do that in... <laughs> like, it's not even, like, a, like, an anachronism from, like, modern day. It's an anachronism from, like, the 80s is what I want. Because I feel that that... But you can't do that. It's not, not allowed. No.
0: No, not Ooh. allowed.
1: <laughs> not allowed.
0: I had the worst trouble with Galliena until I actually figured out like what her deal was past being an evil-for-evil-sake villain, mm. which she initially was, but then I was like, none of what she's trying to do here makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Why is she trying to do it? Like, What is actually motivating? And we talked a lot about the kinds of things that will motivate a villain in the Villains podcast, yeah. but it's like, once I had that figured out, I was like, okay, this is why she wants to do that thing, it is up to the players whether they think that's a reasonable response or not the players don't know what the thing that is making her do the thing is so they don't imme- they can't immediately like connect the dots but i can like derive most of her personality from this yeah. there was some stuff i knew already but then like figuring out the big secret behind what her deal is was like okay this is why she relates to these groups of people this way mm-hmm. Um she's turned up quite a lot in the uh, the Tuesday game but not like for anything significant mainly for you know essentially being involved in the succession crisis involving her brother and being like I don't want to be emperor. Yeah. I'm not don't try and make me empress because it won't work. I'm not going to like reassume my citizenship. I'm not going to be associated with this shit at all. Figure it <laughs> out yourselves.
1: Yeah. I think that's going to be very interesting when our group gets to the Empire, because I mean, we're not we're not going to put Galliena on the throne, presumably. I know the others want to start a revolution, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll just have to wait and see what Jay does. So it's, uh, yeah.
0: I feel like at some point very soon Galliena is actually going to, like, straight up tell Jay what her deal is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then bad things might happen.
1: Hmm. So, yeah.
0: So, like it does help to have some recurring characters. And, and also, if there's a role in a particular place that needs to be filled by a character, you could make a new character, or you could bring back a character that your players already know and like.
1: Yeah, but it... Or it,
0: know and dislike.
1: Yeah, it it does have to make sense, because you can't have, say, uh, like...
0: I have wanted Arthani to turn up in so many places that, it, like, don't make sense. I know, worst yeah, worst yeah. Worst worst.
1: <laughs> I know, like, it's, um you know there's like one very specific character but I'm like it doesn't make sense for you to meet them here yet so hmm. y- you can't basically but it's yeah it's yeah. Bit, yeah it's like if it
0: makes sense if you're if you're in the area then yeah. you know why not yeah there is one character i have been having like kind of follow the players around to an extent just because it made sense for her to go to the place where they were going and one player in particular is, like, incredibly distressed that this person is following them around <laughs> and became more distressed upon learning, like, who she is. Mm. It's very funny. I mean, like, I suppose it's kind of less funny in that the player character in question was, like, you know, um, mildly physically assaulted by the character oh, in question. God. Well, no, not not anything, like, you know,
1: no, yeah, yeah, actually, but...
0: actually abusive. It was, it was yeah. um, mainly that the NPC in question revealed information inscribed upon the body of the PC in question without consent. Oh man. Um, yeah. Essentially because like the PCs were actively trying to hide that information from people who should probably know about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I know you met a Lothargo slug in your first session. I don't think he's going to show up again.
0: <laughs> That's real I hated Lothargo. I
1: know. I know. It was awful. Um,
0: that's what it was like. Now you're a human, Lothargo, You can just dig holes all the <laughs> time because I fucking hate you.
1: Yeah, um, Lothargo Slug was a druid who could turn into a giant African land snail, and appeared as such. And like, the the setup was that it like you you turned up and there was just a snail in a box, and you were like, the what? And then of course the snail starts to talk, and you have to deliver it to a specific place. And then he turned into a human, and there were so many questions: Why didn't you walk yourself? Why, why this? Why that? And he was just like,
0: "Do you work for this M person? A? Yeah, kind of. I immediately hate you."
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, he's got a you know like his motivations were he used to be linked to the villain. He wants to stop the villain. And- oh yeah, of course
0: that's another thing Asriel doesn't like. He's like linked to the two people. Who yeah, Israel definitely doesn't like. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's yeah. That but, was yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like don't let um, these characters like overshadow the PCs, especially oh, if no, you no, have you... a strong crop of PCs who are like very well played characters. Yeah. But don't be afraid to have some characters actually like be memorable yeah. to the players, especially if they fulfil important roles, like Galliena does as yeah. like overarching arc villain.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's it's you know NPCs can be used to kind of um, help players get out their shell a bit when it comes to role playing a bit as well if they have to interact with someone who's a bit strange or a bit unusual you know particularly um, NPCs that either are very secretive and won't reveal information easily or NPCs that themselves are very charismatic and very um, good at weeding information out of the out of the player characters. So yeah. yeah. Um.
0: Don't be afraid afraid to associate running jokes with these characters. Yes. <laughs> For a very long time the running joke associated with um Aletia the Enchantress is that as soon as she starts to tell you something maybe important, she just completely packs up and disappears. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know Yeah, I know that um our joke with Galliana is that she's um peridot now like you know like which is kind of like
0: not not like she's kind of acting like it but she's significantly more powerful than oh
1: absolutely yeah she could like pissing her
0: off is a really bad idea so it's really funny that silas did that again (laughs) (laughs) remotely like they weren't even in the same country
1: i know like just yeah but it's that's some of the yeah i mean i I guess we should probably touch upon villains a little bit. We have talked about this topic extensively, well, it's like,
0: yeah, it's like villains count as memorable characters, especially mm. when they're recurring villains
1: i think th- especially they're probably gonna be the bulk of your recurring characters as well as villainous characters rather than yeah. heroic ones like
0: you you are gonna have recurring like heroes, people who will help with things, but fewer of them generally mm. um. So it's it's mainly going to be going to be uh, villains, yeah, or occasionally like neutral characters who are difficult to interact with. <laughs> yes, but, <laughs> so like oracles or stuff like that. Yeah, something you can do, and again, this does involve getting NPCs to interact with each other. So I would discourage doing it a lot, but something I have done in the past that you can do is if you have a, a those two guys. Oh, yes. <laughs> or not even are those two guys. That, like, Disney movies trope of the two characters who work together in close proximity for, like, a long time, but don't necessarily get on that well.
1: Yeah. Not even
0: Disney movies, actually. Like, um, Newton Geisler and Herman Gottlieb from Pacific Rim mm. are the kind of trope I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, in fact, like, there was a point where the, the Tuesday group came across a library which had these two elves in it who did not really like each other at all, <laughs> but were forced to work together as joint librarians. Yeah. Um, and the the good thing about that kind of dynamic is that it kind of forces the players to make a decision. Like, they really have three choices. They can side with a character, or they can deliberately not. Yeah. Two, two of the choices are, like, the characters in question, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, Um, which is, like, kind of an instant way of establishing character dynamics. It's kind of cheap, but it's also effective. Yeah. Especially if you make the two characters, like, different in the ways that they would relate to the PCs as well, and how forthcoming they're going to be about a certain thing.
1: Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um... There's not a huge amount to say about this topic. It's no. something that the probably, if you have any compulsion to be creative as a DM, will come to you. Yeah. Just generally. You will want to make some kind of memorable character. And I'm just warning you, don't let them overshadow the PCs. Yeah. Don't have your memorable characters talk to each other for too long unless the players can interact with that conversation. Mm. And otherwise, you know, try and give them as many defining features as possible. Because... If, if you can do voices, all the better. Yeah. One I've particularly liked that I forgot to mention is that pretty much all of my dwarves are varying uh, levels of quality of impressions of Brian Blessed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and they, uh, every, I think every um, tabletop ge- any role-playing game, really, it has to have someone trying to do a Brian Blessed voice. And I think, at some point, somewhere, At some point. Yes. And, all the better if it's a dwarf, quite frankly, because he does. All the better if it's all dwarfs. <laughs> yeah, because Brian Blessed just kind of look like like a really big dwarf, like an alpha dwarf almost. Yeah. Brian Blessed is a
0: very tall man, but his, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. His, his width and bulk don't make him really look it.
1: No, yeah, but it's uh, it's it's like you know, he works well in fantasy, like a lot of other like sci-fi settings, but yeah, fantasy settings in particular, he he's. It's very very good it, and it's just
0: really fun to play like either npcs or pcs as the kind of massive ham that brian blessed has made a career out of being
1: absolutely um i know that i do have quite a few character. like there's this trope i absolutely love called incoming ham and it's where you hear a character before you see them and <laughs> i love that trope so much um it is Uh, I you've met one in particular her name is Catherine because I know you heard her crying before you did that is not like an unusual thing for Catherine she's a very loud character and I know uh, Vrindel is a very loud character as well because I think you were introduced to him yelling at someone like an angry PTA mum Mm. yelling at a Starbucks barista so
0: yes (laughs) <laughs> Which like, gave rise to Azriel's apparent now catchphrase: "Are you going to kill this man? Because we need to speak to him." Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I I mean that I feel like that's something that's very common in Two Earth is like people threatening to kill people who are just trying to do their jobs. They're just they're just trying. <laughs> And these incredibly aggressive NPCs keep coming in and demanding a nowhere. What's going on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shaman Asuman, he just wants to marry some people. Man with donkey just wants to do his desk job.
0: I should point out that Man with donkey is a separate character. Shaman Asuman does not want to marry a man to a donkey.
1: Uh, No, 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 but... (laughs) Yeah, like that's, yeah, it's separate thing. I mean Shimon man probably would do that if like the correct legislation were in place. Like yeah. If he was if he lived in a place where that was legal, he would marry a man to a donkey almost definitely. But I I do you know I mean, like
0: presumably if asked, he wouldn't just go around oh, like
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. He's not, yeah he's not like
0: well, he forced marriages if
1: man like, and donkey You get a marriage. You get a marriage All of you get a marriage to a donkey specifically.
0: Okay, but yeah, um, as I said, this is the kind of thing that will probably just come to you. Maybe not the donkey thing. Yeah. But have fun with it. Really, this is your your like opportunity as a DM to be performative in the way that normally the players only get to be. So yeah. do it. Yeah. Grab it. You know, take, take, take it by the, the horns and yeah. other mixed metaphors. Yeah.
1: Do it! Yeah.
0: Okay, Make okay. Your
1: dreams come true.
0: Okay, Beth has begun memeing, so we're going to end the podcast now. <laughs> no memes. Get rid of all the memes off my podcast.
1: Look, I, you know, if I was a Batman villain, my name would be the Meme, and I would be like the Riddler but with memes, and I think everyone knows that.
0: It's the fucking worst, and it would be like an incredibly popular issue, and it that would, would be bad, because it would yeah. not deserve to be.
1: <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. Yeah. I, I think my calling, like, you know which meme I absolutely fucking hate, I would definitely incorporate into my supervillain routine. It's the fucking rare Pepe shit, right? That would be my calling card, like, like you know that scene in Batman—is it Batman and Robin or is it Batman for I forever? I don't know the one with a Riddler and two persons. Um, I don't I don't know what it is.
0: See the problem is I remember both of those films separately, but I can't remember which one was called Batman and Robin and which one was called Batman Forever. <laughs> no. Because as far as I remember, they both had Robin in them. So yeah,
1: yeah, the one they did both have Robin in them. I think Batman and Robin was the one with Batgirl in, and the one with Poison. Anyway, it, it doesn't fucking matter anywhere. But the Riddler, played by Jim Carrey, who I mean, really, I feel like the Riddler played by Jim Carrey really should have been the meme. But like, this was the nineties. We didn't. <laughs> we did
0: We did not have the meme technology yet. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So i, mean, I mean, I'll fucking end the podcast. I can't do this shit anymore.
0: No, no, keep going. How does this end?
1: At this moment, I think it's like with like a jack in a box, or, you know, Pop Goes the Weasel kind of thing. And if it were the Mima, you would do that, and then it would pop out, and it would just be Rare Pepper. But also, it wouldn't be Pop Goes the Weasel. It would be never going to give you up, obviously. For fuck's sake.
0: See, at one point, like, the memo would just do the non-pizza with left beef meme and nobody would laugh because that meme isn't fucking funny. <laughs>
1: that isn't a funny meme, no.
0: It doesn't make any sense. It's vaguely disquieting. Yeah. So maybe that would be like, you know, the the point of the third act where suddenly the meme gets serious. <laughs> I'm going to do disquieting memes now so you feel a bit uncomfortable instead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Please hire us, D.C., <laughs>